So the first, um, the first tribe that we're going to take a look at is the tribe of Judah. And we're going through the descendants of Judah. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 1. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reah, the son of Shobal, fathered Jaath, and Jaath fathered Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Edom, Jezreel, Isma, and Idbash. And the name of their sister was Hazel El Pony. Some, she had a pony, and apparently that's <laughs> Hazel El Pony. And Penuel fathered Gidor, and Gidor, and Ezer fathered Hushah. These were the sons of her, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Elah and Anara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, and Temeni, and Hashashtari. These were the sons of Nara, the sons of Helah, Zareth, Izhar, and Ethnan. Kaz uh, fathered Anab, Zobabah, and the clans of Aharhel, the son of Haram. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he said. Verse 11. Caleb, the brother of Shua, fathered Meir, who fathered Eshton. Eshton fathered Beth Rapha, Pasea, and Tena, the father of Ir Nahash. These are the men of Reka, the sons of Kenaz, Othniel, and Sariah, the sons of Othniel. Hathath and Melonathai. Melonathai fathered Ophrah and Sariah fathered Joab, the father of Gehar-Shim, so called because they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Ira, Elah, and Nam. The son of Elah, Kenaz. The sons of Jalel, Ziph, Zipha, Teriah, and Azarel. The sons of Ezra, Jether, Mered, Ephor, and Jalen. These are the sons of Bethiah, the, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Mered married, and she conceived and bore Miriam, Shemai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. And his Judahite wife bore Jared, Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Soko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. The sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Nahum, were the fathers of uh, Kela. The Garmite and Eshtemoah, the Magathite, the sons of Shimon, Amnon, Rina, Ben Hanan, and Tylan, the sons of Ish, uh, Ishi, Zoeth, and Ben Zoeth, the sons of Shelah, the sons, son of Judah, Ur, the father of Leka, Leda, the father of Merishah, and the clans of the house of linen workers at Beth Ashbia, and Jochim, and the men of Koziba. And Joash and Seraph, who ruled in Moab and returned to Laam. Now the records are ancient. These were the potters who were inhabitants of Netaim and Gadara. They lived there in the king's service. So remember, just keep in mind that the genealogies is basically, the importance of it is the, the Davidic lineage. And here we first have the tribe of Judah, from whom we do have David. Uh, but I, I want to focus a little bit on what we read in the middle of these verses, and that is on this man by the name of Jabez. Verses 9 and 10 says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Now, this is important. He is the only one that we see in this list of people. And we named a lot of names, right? We went through quite a few. 
This is the only person that we are given details about in the midst of this Judean lineage. It's a brief mention, but one that's worth pausing for. His name, as we read, is associated with pain and sorrow. This reminds me of when Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin. She wanted to call him Ben-Oni or Ben-Onai, son of my sorrow, is what that means. But Jacob called him Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. So it's in that, it's in that place of sorrow, of pain, that we want to define those things around us. And so that's what Rachel was doing in that moment. And yet Jacob said, no, he is the son of the right hand. And so we'll call him thus, Benjamin. Genesis 35, 18. Also, it also reminded me of the time of Ruth. Uh, Ruth had this mother-in-law. And uh, she was bitter in her heart. Uh, Her name was Naomi. Uh, So much had happened. She had lost Um, Her husband, uh, she had lost her sons. The only uh, people that she had left in her life were her two daughters-in-law. And so she, as she was going back home, and she went back to Jerusalem, um, she was bitter at heart. And so when she got back, she said this in Ruth 1.20. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Again, what we want to do in our times of difficulty is to define everything around us in the manner in which we feel. And is that right? Is that what we ought to do? The answer should be a resounding no. That's not what we should do. We shouldn't define our life and those things around us by the, by the way we feel, the, the way our hearts are weighed down. We should again, as I said from the very beginning, have God's perspective and think about what, what is true, not what we're thinking. Because remember, our, our thoughts need to be taken captive and, and given to the authority of the Word of God, right? Why is that? Because our thoughts can, can run away from us, can't they? I don't know about yours. Maybe you're a little bit more disciplined. But, you know, I have to take my thoughts captive all the time. And, and I have to submit them to the authority of God's Word. How about our hearts? Can we follow our hearts? They're deceitful and wicked. Who can know them? That's where the origins of these feelings come from. Feelings in and of of themselves, they're not evil and they're not good. It's just something that we experience. Now, what makes it wrong is if we are led by our feelings. Tell me something. As Christians, what do we walk by? Faith, not by feelings. How about sight? Those things like show me and I'll believe. No, not by sight, right? Because we can be deceived. In the last days, even the elect will be deceived. There's going to be, there are going to be those who in the last days, they're going to be duped into thinking the lie of the enemy. And so it's for this reason that as we look at, at these, and I, and I thought about I thought about Rachel and I thought about Naomi and how it was that they were trying to define the lives that they were living and those things around them by how they were feeling. And each time we need to understand that's fine. We need to understand Naomi was going through a tough time. But at the same time, that's not what defines life. Who's the one that defines life? Do we define life? We do not. Whether we want, whether we like it or not, we're not the ones that define life. The Lord is the giver of life, the sustainer of life, and he defines life. So we look to his word to define life for us. If it was left to our own, to, to us, we would make a mess of it. We would all be confused, going in so many different directions. Jabez. He may have been named Jabez because of the difficulty during childbirth. At least this is the the common application. By by most uh, commentators, this is what they uh, look to. They they think that perhaps it was because of childbirth that he was named this, this, uh, given this name. Whatever the reason, this didn't stop him from calling upon the Lord. 
While the other two tried to define life around them by what they were experiencing, it, it is also thought that Jabez had perhaps a difficult upbringing, a difficult life. And yet even in that, it did not stop Jabez from calling upon the Lord. He's described as being more honorable than his brothers. The question we ought to ask is why? Because he was considered to be a man of prayer. What he said, he called, what it says here, he called upon the Lord means he was, just, he was a man of prayer. He was given to prayer. Prayer will take the place of exerting one's own power and strength. It expresses a complete reliance in God. You know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you know, that's one of my favorite couple verses. And this is exactly why. Because it's in moments like this that it can minister to me and it has ministered to me. And those two verses are powerful and have served a powerful place in my life. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we do this request with thanksgiving. Why do we do it with thanksgiving? Because we already know that he's faithful. Because we're, an expressing, we're expressing a complete surrender to his will, whatever that may be. That's what a man of prayer expresses to you and I. That's a person of prayer. That is exactly, if they're truly a a man or a woman of prayer, you can pray a lot and yet not pray. You can say a lot of words and not say anything. I'm talking about someone who is genuinely praying according to God's will. It's Pretty amazing that for Mandy, she referred to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Because that is what we're going to refer to in a few moments. And so obviously the Lord is, is reinforcing something very important for us this evening. When the world around you is telling you to do this or that, or you have many issues to deal with, Rightly directed prayer that is aligned with Scripture will always serve to realign you with God and His will. When when you submit yourself to prayer and you open up God's Word and you go through, the best time to pray is as you're going through God's Word and you're asking Him to minister to you and you you flipped over to, to certain areas of Scripture in context you pray God's will for you. For whatever it is that you're going through. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying. Oh that you would bless me and enlarge my border. And that your hand might be with me. And that you would keep me from harm. So that it might not bring me pain. On the surface you could look at these words and think. This is a very self-centered prayer. It's all about Jabez. But let's dig a little deeper. First he says. Oh that you would bless me. Here is Jabez asking for one thing. Sometimes we think that blessings come in material things or money in our pockets or a vehicle in our driveways or you can just name it. This isn't what he's asking for. He's asking for God's favor. That's all he's asking for. God's favor to be with him. What is that? What does that mean? God's favor, as we pray for God's favor, it's nothing that he can give us, but it has everything to do with what he's already given us. It's realizing that we already have God's favor. It's this one word. It's contentment. Are you content? God's favor. Because Jabez was not asking for riches. He wasn't asking for material possessions. You know, Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9 says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful 
for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 says, I'm not saying this out of need, for I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. I know how to live humbly, and I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and being hungry, to having plenty and having need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oftentimes, as I've said in in times past, I've referred to Philippians 4.13 saying a lot of people take it out of context. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? And, And you're looking at doing things when in reality, what verses 11 through 13 are saying is, Listen, the Apostle Paul is is learning how in any circumstance whatsoever, Christ will give me strength. I am content in in Him and Him alone. He is my satisfaction. He is my contentment. I have found the favor of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. Because if we think that seeking God's blessings is that which can give us more, that which we can receive, then we're missing the point. Our contentment in what we do have is much more valuable than the value we place in things or circumstances because the former expresses a complete trust in God, no matter what we have or no matter what we are experiencing. The difficulties this is an oversight of the, this is not an oversight of the Lord. It's an allowance. He has allowed that to happen. Nothing happens without God's approval. And so we look to it, and this is what has deeply ministered to me. But that's amazing, Lord. Even the tough times. God, you are doing something because you're faithful. Oh, that you would bless me. Secondly, he said, enlarge my border. You know, on the surface, it's like, give me more, right? Enlarge my border. Give me more. That's not what he's saying. It is, but not what we're thinking as far as the world perspective is concerned. His second request was to enlarge his border. This has to do with the conquest of the land that the Lord had promised the Israelites. And completely changes the context when we think of it in that way because that is, that is the right perspective. He was simply praying for God to use him to destroy and displace the wicked who were in the land that God had promised Israel. To advance the will of God. It's like Caleb at, at, at a late age was saying, give me the hill country. I know it's a, the country of the, of the giants, but give them to me. If the Lord is with me, we will conquer. That's what Jabez was praying. He was simply praying for God to use him to do this very work. It would be like you praying that God would provide you with more opportunity to evangelize and disciple people, others, to follow Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we were to pray, Lord, enlarge my border. I want more opportunity to disciple others, to lead them to you, to point them to you, to counsel them, to to just encourage them in Christ. Enlarge my border. I want a greater opportunity to do that. Will you do that, Lord? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you were to pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want your Holy Spirit to come upon me, that, that, that dunamis power to overwhelm me in such a way that, that I am anointed. I have that unction to go. And be a witness and testify of the salvation that can only be known through Jesus Christ. You are praying, therefore, in line with God's will. That's what Jabez 
was praying. Thirdly, that your hand might be with me. This means that Jabez is asking for God's presence. If you won't go with us, we won't go anywhere. Who said that? We remember uh, the wilderness coming through Moses. Why go anywhere? I, I, I honestly, without the Lord, I, don't, I wouldn't want to go anywhere. Just strike me now if, if you're not going to go. I'd rather go home. I don't want to go one, one more step without the Lord. This is what Jabez was asking, that your hand might be with me, that your power and presence might be evident in my life. They would continue to move forward. I with you. And lastly, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. He was falling on the mercy of God to keep him from falling into the evil ways of the world. You recognize that the world around you is evil. It's dark. It's wicked. If you recognize that, then you understand that it can influence you. It can influence the way you think, the way you perceive things. And that could, if you're not disciplined, could lead to thoughts ruminating in your mind to the point to where leads to compromise and, and you fall into that sin. You fall into compromise. Jabez was, was simply asking, Lord, please keep me from harm. Keep me from evil so that it might not bring me pain. He was very well aware that there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, I am a sinner. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. That's, all, that's what he was confessing. And he was desperately in that, in that moment. This is what he lived out. This is why he was more honorable than his brothers. He was completely relying on the Lord. And he was asking. He was pleading. A humble plea to God for his mercy with a godly fear. He did not want to dishonor God. And he himself did not want to go through the pain of the consequences of sin. Please keep me from evil. Please, Lord, keep my hand from sin. Help me, O oh God. Because all of this was in line with what God's will is. It says here very simply. Six words. And God granted what he asked. That's it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The prayer of Jabez. Finally, as we read through that section makes reference to the potters who were inhabitants of Netaim and Gedera. They lived there in the king's service. It, um, now I know that uh, there's been sermons that have been preached just on this portion of scripture. But it helps, it should help us to realize that, that we're, God's fellow workers, according to 1 Corinthians 3.9. And then bring us back to perhaps something that we've heard several times here lately. In 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God's fellow workers, we are heaping up treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thief cannot come in and steal no plunder, right? And so that's what we're doing. But very important to the Lord in his perspective as we serve him, it's beautiful. It's, it's the work of sacrifice. It's just uh, an offering of sacrifice unto him. So let's continue. Verse 24, we continue with the descendants of Simeon. Verse 24, the sons of Simeon, Nemuel, Jamin, Jerob, Zerah, Shal, Shalem was his son, 
Mibsam, his son, Mishma, his son, the sons of Mishma, Hamuel, his son, Zakur, his son, Shimi, his son. Shimi had 16 sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many children, nor did all their clan multiply like the men of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, uh, Maloda, and Hazar Shual, Bilha, Ezem, Tolad, uh, Bethwell, Horma, Ziklag, Beth, Markarbath, Hazar, Susim, Beth, Biri, and Sharaim. These were their cities until David reigned, and their villages were Edom, Ain, Rimon, uh, Tokin, and Ashen. Five cities, along with all their villages that were around these cities, as far as Baal. These were their settlements, and they kept a genealogical record. Let's continue, verse 34. Meshobab, Jamlek, Joshan, the son of Joshua, the son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, the son of Joshabiah, son of Zariah, son of Asael, Eloinai, Jacobah, Jeshoiahiah, Asiah, Adiel, Jesimael, Beniah, Sisa, the son of Shephi, son of Elon, son of Jediah, son of Shimri, son of Shemaiah. These mentioned by name were princes in their clans and their father's houses increased greatly. They journeyed to the entrance of Gedor to the east side of the valley to seek pasture for their flocks, where they found rich, good pasture, and the land was very broad, quiet and peaceful, for the former inhabitants there belonged to Ham. These registered by name came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and destroyed their tents and the Maonites who were found there and marked them for destruction to this day and settled in their place because there was pasture there for their flocks. And some of them, 500 men of Simeonites, went to Mount Seir, having as their leaders Pelatiah, Neriah, Rephiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi. And they defeated the remnant of the Amalekites who had escaped and they have lived there to this day. So again, we're going to go through much of this quickly. Some of this I'm going to momentarily and briefly comment on. But um, we're going to go through this fairly quickly. Again, these names and these events are referred to in other areas of Scripture. Uh, Simeon, the tribe of Simeon decreased significantly during, significantly during the years that they were in the wilderness. They started out... Uh, very numerous, but they ended um, in decreased numbers from how they first began. It says here that they didn't have many children, definitely not like the children or the families of Judah. Judah increased while the tribe of Simeon decreased. Nonetheless, and this is what I do want to point out, God was with them and they were given land and they did know victories over their enemies by God's grace. And that's what we have here mentioned as we read through these verses. Let's go on to the tribe of Reuben. In 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, it says, The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers, and a chief came from him, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanuk, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Joel, Shemaiah, his son, Gog, his son, Shimi, his son, Micah, his son, Rhea, his son, Baal, his son, Bera, his son, whom uh, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, carried away into exile. He was a chief uh, of the Reubenites and his king, kinsmen by their clans when the genealogy of the generations was recorded, the chief, Jael, and Zechariah, and Bela, and the son of Azaz, son of Shema, son of Joel, who lived in Eroer, as far as Nebo, and Baal-Meon, who he, he also lived to the east as far as the entrance of the desert, this side of the Euphrates, because their livestock had multiplied in the land of Gilead. And in the days of Saul, they waged war against the Hagrites, who fell into their hand, and they lived in their tents throughout all the region east of Gilead. The tribe of Reuben. Reuben was one of the eastern tribes. Uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So Reuben and, um, and, and uh, his clan and, and clans and all of the people lived east of the Jordan. Now, we, as we see here, what's important is Reuben was indeed the firstborn. Uh, but because of the sin of defiling his father's bed, he lost that place. And again, we've gone through that. 
but that is the very reason why he could not be mentioned as the firstborn. And, uh, and so we have that recorded here. Now, this gives us a land they dwelt in, and specifically the land that they overtook during the time of King Saul. Again, the Lord, even though these men and their tribes had made mistakes, and we know of specific mistakes and sins throughout the course of, of the history of these tribes, the Lord was still faithful to them. And, uh, and then we can go on even into the times of the judges and see how God was faithful to them through the times of the judges and how it was that he warned them and he would forgive them and, and just this cycle continued to go on where they'd fall back into sin and then he'd discipline them, judge them, and round and round we go. All that to say God is faithful and he continued to be faithful to the Lord. As we think about our own lives... We need to simply be faithful to the Lord, know his word, and in the moments where we fall, we need to apply 1 John 1, 9 and do it sincerely. You know, confess our sins to the Lord. This, this requires a humbling of ourselves and, and again, a surrender to the authority of God in our lives. And by doing that, if we do that genuinely before the Lord, he tells us that he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so, again, just God's faithfulness time and time and time again. The tribe of Gad is covered in, in verses 11 through 22. It says, The sons of Gad lived over against them in the land of Bashan as far as uh, Salica. Joel, the chief, Shapham, the second, Jani, and Shaphat in Bashan. And their kinsmen, according to their father's houses, Michael, Meshulam, uh, Sheba, Jorai, Jachin, Ziah, and Eber. Seven. These were the sons of Abihail, the son of Hurai, son of Jer- Jeroah, son of Gilead, son of Michael, son of Jeshishai, son of Jado, son of Buzz, ah- Ahai, the son of Abdiel, son of Gunai, was chief in their father's houses, and they lived in Gilead, in Bashan, and in its towns, and in all the pasturelands. Of Sharon to their limits, all of these were recorded in genealogies in the days of Jotham, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh had valiant men who carried shield and sword and drew the bow, expert in war, 44,760 able to go to war. They waged war against the Hagrites, Jeter, uh, Naphish, and Nodab. And when they prevailed over them, the Hagrites and all who were with them were given into their hands, for they cried out to God in the battle. And he granted their urgent plea because they trusted in him. They carried off their livestock, 50,000 of their camels, 250,000 sheep, 2,000 donkeys, and 100,000 men alive. For many fell because the war was, God, was of God, and they lived in their place until the exile. So uh, the tribe of Gad, and we also have mentioned Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Also here, all tribes that, were, that settled east of the Jordan. But we have this, uh, this battle in which the tribe of Gad had called upon the name of the Lord to help them. Uh, again, this is uh, something that, um, that uh, Jabez had done. Uh, this is something that is exemplified, something that we ought to do. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, uh, and, and that is something that the Apostle Paul said as he pursued after and was a disciple of Jesus Christ, so should we. These are all examples that we should also heed and take to heart ourselves and exemplify in our own lives. It was in the midst of battle that they cried out to God. And they put, by doing that, their trust in him to deliver them. And he did that in a big way. And we read about about that. Again, it's not too late to be in the middle of something, even if you hadn't thought of it before, in the middle of that battle to cry out to the Lord and ask him for help. He is always ready and willing to act. On behalf of those whose hearts are loyal toward him. It's at that very moment that as we cry to the Lord. 
He actually desires to deliver us. He gets all the glory. It's never too late to ask for God's help, to cry out to him. Remember that the next time the enemy whispers in your ear and tries to condemn you from not having asked the Lord from the very beginning. Who are you to ask at this point? You haven't even prayed. You didn't even pray before going into this. Yes, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But I'm crying out to you right now. In the middle of their battle, they cried out to the Lord. And we see this routing of the enemy. Remember that the people that were occupying the land were evil, practicing idolatry. And God had actually devoted them all to destruction. Using Israel as the instrument of righteousness to dispel them. Stand on the side of righteousness. And evil will be dispelled by the instrument that God uses. Whatever that may be, it may be you. Just simply stand on the side of God. That's all he's asking. That's all we ought to do as a response to the love that he first demonstrated to us. Just stand on the side of righteousness. It was as if they were praying like Jabez did. To enlarge their borders according to God's will. And he did. Verse 23, this is Manasseh. Um, this is the, the, half the tribe that's east of the Jordan. Verse 23, the members of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land. They were very numerous from Bashan to Baal Hermon, Sanir, and Mount Hermon. These were the heads of their father's houses, Ephor, Ishai, Eliel, Israel, Israel, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, and Jediel, mighty warriors, famous men, heads of their father's houses. But they broke faith with God of their, fa- the God of their fathers, and whored after the gods of the peoples of the land, whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, the spirit of Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and he took them into exile, namely the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Hela, Habor, Hara, and the river Gozan to this day. So, as we see there, the same men that had previously helped Israel advance in the promised land west of the Jordan and had come back to dwell east of the Jordan are the same people who are mentioned as being unfaithful to God and were referred to as idolatrous. Listen, we, we can't sit on our past victories. That would be the worst thing that we could do. Think that we could always look back at, at those, those moments that we had that were victorious in, in Christ. We've gotten through this. We've gotten through that. Listen, those are all, we need to count them as blessings. And in fact, they should be like um, those memorial stones that were set uh, in, in the, the Jordan, right? As Joshua came over. That's all they should be. They should, you should look back on them as God's victories. Reminding us how faithful God is. But not, those aren't the, the things that we rely on. We rely on God in the moment. And we keep our eyes fixed on him. That we may advance for the cause of Christ. To so the glory of God. Our God and our Lord. These were the same men that fell. Listen, we're not far from that. We're only fooling ourselves when, when we think that, that we, are, we are so strong and so very like on top of everything that it can't possibly happen to us. Careful. Pride comes before a fall. We need to be in a, in a constant state of humility before the Lord. And know that it could be there. We should pray like Jabez. Lord, keep me from harm. Help me to not cause harm upon myself. These were the same men. Now they're being referred to as unfaithful to God. Idolatrous. They went after the gods of the land they were dwelling in. He he said that they were whoring after the idols, the gods of the land that they were dwelling in. The very peoples that 
God had used Israel to dispel. And God gave, listen, it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't anyone who took them. It says here that, so the God of Israel, verse 26, stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, the spirit of Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and he took them into exile. It was God that allowed that to take place. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Take heed, take heed, brothers and sisters, lest we too fall. We need to always stay humble before the Lord. Never raise your head before the Lord in a state of pride. You always need to keep yourself humble before him. Verse 1 of chapter 6. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Isar, Hebron, and Uzziel. The children of Amram, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. The sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. Eliezer fathered uh, Phinehas. Phinehas fathered Abishu. Abishu fathered Bukai. Bukai fathered Uzai. Uzai fathered Zerahiah. Zerahiah fathered Marioth. Marioth fathered Emariah, Emariah fathered Ahitub, Atub fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Amos, Amos fathered Azariah, Azariah fathered Jonan, and Jonan fathered Azariah. It was he who served as priest in the house that Solomon built in Jerusalem. Azariah fathered Emariah, Emariah fathered Atub, Atub fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Shalom, Shalom uh, fathered Hilkiah, Hilkiah fathered Azariah, Azariah fathered Sariah, Sariah fathered Jehozadak, and Jehozadak went into exile when the Lord sent Judah and Jerusalem into exile by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 16, the sons of Levi, Gershom, Kohath, and Merari, and these are the names of the sons of Gershom, Libni, and Shimei, the sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron and Uzziel, the sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushai. These are the clans of the Levites according to their fathers of Gershom, Libni, his son Jeath, his son Zimna, his son uh, Zoah, his son, or Joah, his son, Ido, his son, Zerah, his son, Jethrai, his son, the sons of Koath, Aminadab, his son, Korah, his son, Asir, his son, Elkanah, his son, Abiasaph his son, Asir his son, Tehath his son, Ariel his son, Uzziah his son, and Shal his son. The sons of Elkanah, Amasai, and Amoth. Elkanah his son, Zophai his son, Nahath his son, Eliab his son, Jerome his son. Elkanah his son, the sons of Samuel, Joel his firstborn, the second Abijah, the sons of Merari, Mali, Libni his son, Shimei his son, Uzzah his son, Shimei his son, Haggaiah his son, and Isaiah his son. Levi. Uh, this is a special tribe. As far as the, the Levites are concerned, uh, they're, they're a special tribe in every sense that they were chosen by God to serve him. And even within the tribe of Levi, there are specifically the sons of Aaron. These were the men who were chosen specifically to be priests given to the service of sacrifices. All priests, and I love this, I've heard this before, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Think about that. All priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Why? Because in that line of the Levites, you have Aaron, and only the sons of Aaron were authorized to be priests. Again, it's worth noting that it's God who carried them into captivity. And he used the hand of Nebuchadnezzar to do this. And he made note of this. And again, I just want to emphasize that again. We need to note that. Again, people may be used, but they do not have the power. God does. And this brings me back to prayer and our reliance and complete trust in God to help us in our time of need. 
You know, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. With the Levites and the sons of Aaron, we have God's sovereignty in how it was that he chose a specific line to serve him in the house of the Lord. God is faithful and he takes care of all of the details. We just need to rest in him. But let's continue on to the, these musicians that were appointed in verses 31 through 48. These are the men whom David put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark rested there. They ministered with song before the tabernacle of the tent of meeting until Solomon built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they performed their service according to their order. These are the men who served and their sons of the sons of the Kohathites, Heman, the singer of the son of Joel, son of Sam- Samuel, the son of Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Eliel, son of Toa, son of Zuf, son of Elkanah, son of Maeth, son of Amaziah, son of Elkanah, son of Joel, son of Azariah, son of Zephaniah, son of Teath, son of Asir, son of Abiasaph, son of Korah, son of Izar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, son of Israel, and his brother Asaph, who stood on his right hand, Namely, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, son of Shemaim, son of Michael, son of Baseah, son of Milkijah, son of Ethni, son of Zerah, son of Adiah, son of Ethan, son of Zimna, son of Shimei, son of Jayath, son of Gershom, son of Levi. On the left hand were their brothers, the sons of Merari, Ethan, the son of Kishai, son of Abdi, son of Maluk. Son of Hashabiah, son of Amaziah, son of Hilkiah, son of Amzai, son of Bani, son of Shemer, son of Mali, son of Mushai, son of Merari, son of Levi, and their brothers the Levites were appointed for all the service of the tabernacle of the house of God. Now, these are all the musicians for the house of the Lord. The musicians appointed by King David, worship is indeed important, and it is to be sound. Just as the people involved in worship are to be sound before the Lord. Think about that as far as it, it, it makes no difference whether it's in the time of King David or, or our forefathers here. Or the day in which we live in with the worship team that normally serves in ministry, ministering from here. It's no different. That's why it's important for each in every individual to be right before the Lord. Listen, it was so important that the musicians were appointed by King David. It wasn't any of these that we, we read in this long line. They were all appointed by King David. They were ministering music. This evening, I was, I was being ministered to by the music. That's why it's important. They can't be doctrinally unsound. It can't be self-centered either. You know, the worship has to be directed, not here, but there. It must be directed toward God. We need to see it as a sacred service. No different than what I'm doing this evening right here behind the pulpit. No different. It's not a performance. We're only joining them in worship. As the worshiper worships, so we worship as well. We come along with them. It's a sacred service unto the Lord, and it cannot be taken lightly. There is to be dedication and discipline in its service and especially in the person offering this as a service unto him. Can you imagine if we treated that in the same way or I treated it in the same way that perhaps some do in that it's just a church. There's only so much that we can do. In whatever preparation we can give to the Lord, so we give to him. Is that the attitude that we should, we should have? It, no. It'd be like if I just came up and like I really couldn't do much of anything. So 
Um, we're just going to like, I don't know, let's go here and see what the Lord does, right? I've gone through it before, so apparently you should be doing something, right? Yeah, the Lord is faithful to do something, but we should be offering him our best. Listen, the Holy Spirit is to lead us according to God's word in the worship of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Heman was the singer uh, referred to here, one of them. He's also referred to in other areas uh, in First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. Um, he is uh, attributed, uh, Psalm 88 is attributed to him. And then his brother Asaph is also noted. He's also mentioned many times. In fact, 12 Psalms are um, given to his account. Uh, they are Psalms 50 and then 73 through 83. 12 Psalms. Finally, it is noted that the Levites served in every way. The last part that we read there is that uh, they, they gave themselves to the faithful service of God in whatever way he saw fit. They were willing and they were available. They were willing to be used in any way that God would require them to. Verse 49, as we continue, But Aaron and his sons made offerings on the altar of burnt offering and on the altar of incense for all the work of the most holy place and to make atonement for Israel according to all the, that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. These are the sons of Aaron, Eliezer, his son, Phinehas, his son, Abishua, Bakai, Uzai, Zeriah, Marioth, Amariah, Ahitub, Zadok, Amos, his son. These are their dwelling places according to their settlements within their borders to the sons of Aaron and of the clans of Kohathites. For there was the first lot to them they gave Hebron in the land of Judah and its surrounding pasture lands. Uh, but the fields of the city of its villages and its villages they gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Uh, to the sons of Aaron, uh, this is, by the way, the Caleb that I was referring to that took the the land that was very dangerous, the land of giants, and he took it at a very old age. Verse 57, to the sons of Aaron, they gave the cities of refuge, Hebron, Libna, with its pasturelands, Jatir, Eshtemoah, with its pasturelands, Hillen, with its pasturelands, Debir, with its pasturelands, Ashan, with the same, and Beth Shemesh, and from the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon, Geba, with its pasturelands, Elameth, Elameth, uh, with its pasturelands, and Anathoth with its pasturelands. All their cities throughout their clans were 13. Let's stop there for a moment. Um, <clears throat> so we have Aaron, and then as we con are continuing on, um, we have the cities of the Levites, which, which we're covering right now. So Aaron, as I said earlier, every priest is a Levite, but not every Levite is a priest. The descendants of Aaron, again, were the ones who were chosen for the service of God as priests to offer sacrifices on the altar to make atonement for Israel. And the sons of Aaron are listed as we read there. Let's continue. These are the cities of the Levites. Verse 61. Uh, to the rest of the Kohathites were given by lot out of the clan of the tribe, out of the half tribe, the tribe of Manasseh, ten cities. To the Gershomites, according to their clans, were allotted 13 cities out of the tribes of Issachar, Asher, and Naphtali, and Manasseh, in Bashan. To the Merorites, according to their clans, were allotted 12 cities out of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. So the people of Israel gave the Levites the cities with their pasturelands. Uh, they gave by lot out of the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin these cities that are mentioned by name. And some of the clans of the sons of Kohath had cities of their territory, out of the tribe of Ephraim, they were given the cities of refuge, Shechem with its pasturelands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gezer with its pasturelands, Jachmium with its pasturelands, Beth Horon with its pasturelands, Ajalon with its pasturelands, Gathrimon with its pasturelands, and out of the half-tribe of Manasseh, Anner with its pasturelands, and Bilium with its pasturelands for the rest of the clans of the Kohathites. To the Gershomites were given out of the clan of the half-tribe of Manasseh, Golan in Bashan with its pasturelands, and Ashtaroth with its pasturelands, out of the tribe of Issachar, Kadesh with its pasturelands, uh, Dabrath with its pasturelands, Ramoth with its pasturelands, and Anam with its pasturelands, out of the tribe of Asher, Mashal with its pasturelands, Abdon with its pasturelands, Hukok and Rehoboth, and out of the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh and Gil uh, Galilee with its pasturelands, Hammon 
with its pestilence and carrieth them. Uh, to the rest of the Merorites were allotted out of the tribe of Zebulun, uh, Ramono with its pestilence, Tabor as well, and beyond the Jordan at Jericho, on the east side of the Jordan out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer in the wilderness with its pestilence, Jaza as well, Kedmoth as well, uh, Mapheth uh, the same, and out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth in Gilead with its pestilence, Manaim with its pestilence, Heshbon with its pastulins and Jazer with its pastulins. Um, so we see there at the end of this chapter, the cities of the Levites, the Lord was their inheritance. And so we've gone through this as far as um, their locations. They were spread out throughout um, the various tribes. Uh, the Lord was their inheritance and their settlements were selected by the Lord to be distributed throughout the Israelite settlements. They were, you could say, distributed among God's people, serving God within the people. Very important that this is indeed how the Lord desires that ministry be done among the people, within the people. And God knows how to distribute as he sees fit. So the following ones we're just going to read through. There's, there, I'm not going to note anything. First Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1 is the tribe of Issachar. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron. For the sons of Tola, Uzai, Rephiah, Jeriel, uh, Jemai, Ibsam, and Shemuel, heads of their father's houses, namely of Tola, mighty warriors of their generations. Their number in the days of David being 22,600. The son of Uzai, Israhiah, and the sons of Israhiah, Michael, Obadiah, Joel, in Isaiah, all of them, all five of them were chief men, and along with them by their generations, according to their fathers' houses, were units of the army for war, thirty six thousand, for they had many wives and sons. Their kinsmen belonging to all the clans of Issachar were in all eighty seven thousand mighty warriors enrolled by genealogy. The descendants of Benjamin, verses six through twelve, the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becker, and Jadael, three, the sons of Bela, Esbon, Uziel, Jeremoth, and Iri, five heads of fathers' houses, mighty warriors, and their enrollment by genealogies was 22,034. The sons of Becker, Zemari, Zemira, Joash, Eliezer, Eloani, Omri, Jeremoth, Abijai, Anathoth, and Alameth. All these were the sons of Becker and their enrollment by genealogies according to the generations as heads of their father's houses, mighty warriors, was 20,200. The son of Jediel, Bilhah, and the sons of Bilhan, Jeush, Benjamin, Eud, and Chenah, Zethan, Tarshish, and Ahishahar. All these were the sons of Jediel according to the heads of their father's houses, mighty warriors, 17,200, able to go to war, and Shepham and uh, Hupam were the sons of Ur, Husham, the son of Eir. Uh, the descendants of Naphtali. The sons of Naphtali, Jezile, Guni, uh, Jazer, and Shalem, the descendants of Bilhah. The descendants of Manasseh. And this was uh, the half tribe that was settled west of the Jordan River. Verse 14 says, The sons of Manasseh. Ezrael, whom his Aramean concubine bore, she bore a Makir, the father of Gilead. And Makir took a wife for Hupam and for Shupam. Hupam and Shutam, right? All right. We got to have fun with some of these names. This is like, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, Robert, you go for here. No. All right, the name of his sister was Makah, the, uh, the name of the second was Zelophehad, and Zelophehad had daughters, and Makah, the wife of Makir, bore a son, and she called his name Peresh, and the name of his brother uh, was Sheresh, and his sons were Ulam and Rechem, the son of Ulam, Bedan, uh, these were the sons of Gilead, the son of Makir, son of Manasseh, and his sister Hamalekith. Bor Ish, Ishad, Abiazer, and Mala. The sons of Shemida were uh, Aen, Shechem, Lyki, and Aniam. Um, so, just a quick note. So, the daughters of Zelophehad were the ones who had um, no brothers, 
And so they had asked Moses uh, about their inheritance. If there were no brothers to continue on the, this clan um, within this tribe, then how is that to work? So do we, do we get land or what happens if we get married? So we know that if they get married within the tribe, then they keep it. If they marry outside the tribe, uh, men in another tribe, then they are to um, give up their land and that way it, doesn't, it isn't transferred to another tribe. So that's the wisdom of God, and that's what was decided upon. But those are the two daughters that were mentioned there. All right, so Ephraim, and we'll continue to move on. Ephraim, verse 20, the sons of Ephraim, uh, Shuthalah, and Barad his son, Tehath his son, Eli- Eliada, uh, Tehaz, Zabed, Shuthalah, Ezra, and Iliad, whom the men of Gath, who were born in the land, killed, because they came down to raid their livestock. And Ephraim, their father, mourned many days, and his brothers came to comfort him. And Ephraim went in to his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Bariah, because disaster had befallen his house. His daughter was Shira, who built both lower and upper Beth Horon, and Uzen Shira. Repha was his son, Reshef, his son, Tila, Teha, Tehan, uh, Laden, his son, Amihud, his son, Elishama, uh, his son, Nun, his son, Joshua, his son. Their possessions and settlements were Bethel and its towns, and to the east, Naran, and to the west, Gezer and its towns, Shechem and its towns, and Aya and its towns. Also in possession of the Manasites, Bet-Shean and its towns, Tanakh and its towns, Megiddo and its towns, Dor and its towns, and these live the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel." So that was Ephraim. Um, the Ephraimites um, were interesting because they were known to be wealthy and powerful. And yet at the same time, they were known to be arrogant, prideful, and um, argumentative. They were known to be contentious and confrontational. And so um, they had problems because of that. Um, so the same tribe, again, we need to be very aware of what things the Lord has entrusted to us as blessings at the same time, we should be content with them and not allow pride to overwhelm us to the point to where they become a curse to us. Let's continue, Asher. Uh, verse 30, the sons of Asher, Imna, Ashvi, uh, Ishva, Ash, Ishvi, uh, Berai, the, the sis, their sister Sarah, the sons of Berai, Eber, and Melchiel, who fathered uh, Berzaeth, Heber fathered Shaphlet, Shomer, Hotham, and their sister Shua, the sons of Japhlet, Pesach, uh, Bimal, and Ashveth. These are the sons of Japhlet, the sons of Shemer, his brother, Roga, and Jeuba, and Aram. The sons of Helam, his brother, Zophah, Imna, Shalesh, and Amal. The sons of Zophah, Zua, Harn- Harnifer, Shual, Berai, Imra, Bezerhad, Shema, Shilsha, Ithron, and Bira. The sons of Jether, Jephunu, Pispa, and Era. The sons of Ula, Era, Haniel, and Reziah. All of these were men of Asher, heads of fathers' houses, approved mighty warriors, chiefs of the princes. Their number enrolled by genealogies for service in war was 26,000 men. And then, now chapter 8 uh, we're not going to read through it, but this is again the tribe of Benjamin uh, mentioned in going through. Uh, Benjamin is emphasized by the Lord, but this is, it says the genealogy of Saul. And so this is indeed where we first, well, where we come to the first king of Israel. Samuel was ordained by God and called on by God to go and ordain the first king of Israel. They had their first king because they wanted to be like the rest of the nations and be ruled by a king, even though they already had the king of kings and the Lord of lords reigning over them. That wasn't enough for them. Again, something we need to keep in the forefront of our minds and understand that sometimes if we insist on what the world is offering instead of what the Lord has already given to us, then we run into all kinds of problems, as we, as we know Israel did with even Saul. So, <clears throat> I want to conclude with this. 
1 John 5, 14 and 15. And then Jabez. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will is key. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We can be confident of that. Again, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for even as we went through these names, these genealogies, Lord, each and every person was important to you, is important to you. Lord, you have used them in your overall, for your overall purpose and plan. I pray, Lord, that we would never feel insignificant because it is a wrong feeling. Lord, it's a, it's a thought in error. Pray, Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, that everything that we do is, as we serve you also, Lord, that, that it matters, Lord, that we would be right before you so that it would be a, an offering that is worth something, a sacrifice that comes from a heart that is bent toward you, that is inclined toward you. Lord, giving you everything that we have sacrificially. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. I pray, Lord, that we would get, give everything our all. And that we would pray like, like Jabez did, like, like we saw here. How it was that he was asking for your favor. He was asking for your power to be known, your presence to be known. For you to enlarge his border. And for you to keep him from evil that he may not fall into sin, compromise. And therefore, not only dishonor you but also bring, bring pain upon him. Lord, let us be that. Let, let that be our prayer as well. So, Father, again, thank you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.